All right. Well, if you were with us last week, we just started a new sermon series here at Lakes Free during the month of December called A Church Alive. And uh, part of my desire in this uh, sermon series, as I've uh, recently started as the new senior pastor here at Lakes Free, is to really rally us as a church around some of the, the central commitments, the central priorities that, uh, that I, I believe are really vital for us if we want to continue to be a church that is growing and thriving and making an impact in the world. And uh, we've seen God's faithfulness, we've seen his blessing here over the years, and, uh, and as we move into a new chapter now with, with a new senior pastor, uh, I just want to assure all of you that I am going to be committed as your pastor to continuing to champion the things that have been used by God over the years to make a huge impact in our community and all over the world. And so we are going to be uh, focusing here this month on three priorities of a church alive. If you, were, if you were here last week, you remember I had some plants up on stage with me, and uh, we had some poinsettias. One of them was dead or in the process of quickly dying. Uh, another one of them was a fake poinsettia, and then the third was a poinsettia that was living and, and bearing fruit. And, and we talked about how churches are often like plants, and, and you find some churches that are out in our world where they're, just, they're dying or they're just outright dead. And it's a, very, it's a very sad thing when you see a church that was once alive and vibrant become a church that has, has stagnated and died. There are other churches that are, that are fake, and, and they're fake in the sense that from the outside, by all external appearances, they look like they have stuff going on, but, but when you really begin to look inside and examine the fruit, you discover that, that people aren't growing, there's no excitement, there's no passion, and, and, and they're really not having a kingdom impact. And, and then there's other churches that are living and vibrant and thriving and bearing fruit, and, and that's the kind of church I think we want to be, right? I mean, that's the kind of church that I want to pastor, and, and I'm sure all of you want to be a part of a church of a, that's living and thriving and growing. And so these are what I think are the priorities that we need to hang on to, that we need to champion as a church if we're going to continue to see God use lakes free to be a blessing in our community as well as all over the world. And so we're looking at these three priorities of, number one, being grounded in truth. And so if you were here last week, we talked about a church alive is a church that is rooted firmly in the foundation of God's word. And, and, and we recognize that God's word is the source of all life and growth. And so we are going to champion and prioritize the word of God here in our teaching and in our preaching. It's going to be central to everything we do at Lakes Free. And, and then today we're going to look at the second priority of, of being a church that is growing in grace. Collectively, as individuals, we together are going to continue per, to pursue growth in Jesus Christ. We're going to embrace God's grace. We're going to grow more and more in the grace of God, becoming more and more conformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ in, all, in our own lives, and then collectively becoming more and more conformed into the likeness of Christ as a church. And, and this is one of our central priorities. We're going to talk about this more today. But then next week, don't, don't miss next week, by the way. We've got a great service plan next week. First of all, we got our children's ministry kids program during, uh, during our service. That alone is worth coming for. I mean, it's just going to be awesome. They've been working really hard. It's going to be a great performance. Uh, but then following that, I'm going to come up and I'm going to preach on going in faith. And our call as Christians to join the mission that God has to go out into the world, to make an impact, to be ambassadors of Jesus, to serve on behalf of the cause of the gospel. And, uh, and so it's going to be an exciting Sunday. But today we're going to look at this second priority 
of the call for all of us to be a church that is growing in grace. Now, last week, you may, you may remember, I started out my sermon by sharing a word of warning with you. I talked about how a church alive can quickly become a dead church if you change the foundation, right? If the foundation of being rooted firmly in the word of God is ever replaced with a, with a priority leaning towards anything else but God's word, that church is in big trouble. And so we're going to remain rooted firmly in the Word of God. But today, as we talk about this second priority of being a church that's growing in grace, I also want to share another word of warning with us. Uh, Because there's another danger that we need to be careful about if we're going to continue to be a church growing in grace. And and the warning I want to share with us this morning has to do with uh, a, a church can quickly go from being a church alive to a dying and dead church if they ever trade or exchange God's grace for religion or works righteousness. Okay, A church can also become quickly become a dead or dying church if they trade God's grace for religion or our works righteousness. And what I mean by that is, if we ever lose sight of our focus on God's grace and all that he has done for us, the empowerment that he gives us to continue to grow in our likeness of Christ, if we ever lose sight of the grace of God and his goodness and his gifts to us, and instead replace that with an emphasis on what we do to earn God's favor, what we do to deserve God's favor, what we do to get God's blessing, right? That's what works righteousness is. It says you need to perform, you need to work, you need to try harder, you need to do more, and that's how you prove your faithfulness to God. And when a church trades grace for religion or works righteousness, that church is going to quickly die. I can just promise you that's what happens. Okay, So here's the deal. This morning, to help us understand the urgency of holding fast to grace and the danger of religion and works righteousness, I've got a video I'd like to show you this morning. I'm just going to tell you up front, this is one of the most theologically profound videos that I've ever come across highlighting the importance of of grace versus religion. Uh, If you really want to see the errors of works righteousness, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a more compelling, powerful video than what you're about to see. So so take a look at the screen behind me as we look at the dangers of works righteousness together. さあ、ここに入っている賞金10万円を目指していきます。全長が13メートル、高さが4メートルある大階段。さあ、ルールの中、階段を両手両足を使って登っていきます。まずリードしているのは小峠、一番人気です。小峠がリードしていく。そして
Friends, what you've just seen is one of the greatest illustrations you'll ever find highlighting the danger in the error of works righteousness, the error of religion. See, what is religion? Religion says that we have to somehow perform to earn favor with God. There's something that we need to do in order to to bridge the chasm between us and God. And and so through our good works, through our efforts, through our righteousness, through through our giving, through our rituals, whatever it may be, we can somehow earn favor with God. But the problem with that view, just like, just like this game show, this Japanese game show is called Slippery Stairs, right? And, and the thing is, is you never quite get to the top. And, and see, that's the problem with religion. That's the problem with works righteousness is you climb and you perform and you try harder and you do more, but you always slip and fall short. And here's the reason. It's because God is holy. He's perfect. He's morally pure. He knows no sin. And, and so, so here's the question. What are you going to do? What are you going to do as a fallen, sinful human being to earn favor with a holy, perfect God? You can't do enough. You can't work enough. You can't be good enough. He's perfect. And so we always slip and fall short of God's righteous standards because he's holy and we're not. We're sinful. And and the problem with religion, the problem with works righteousness is I find a lot of people just get burned out really quick. You see, it gets really tiring always trying to measure up to a standard that you can never attain. And that's the danger, friends, when a church trades the grace of God for religion or works righteousness, you end up with a whole lot of tired, burned out people. But the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is simply this. The difference between Christianity and works righteousness and religion is that Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is not about what we do to try to prove our worthiness to God or to try to earn God's favor. Christianity is about what God did for us so that we could enter into a saving relationship with him. It's not about our human efforts. It's about what God has done out of his great love for us. This, uh, this past week, I've been moving my office slowly from my old office over into my new office, our senior pastor's office here. And uh, I've been moving my books, uh, you know, little by little. Well, this week I came across an old Bible I've got in my, uh, in my office, and it's actually one of my Grandpa Carlson's old preaching Bibles. Uh, John Renneker actually uh, sat under my grandpa's uh, preaching out in uh, Walnut Creek, California. But uh, it was really great. You know, when my grandfather passed away, all of the cousins in our family all got one of his old preaching Bibles. And, and this Bible is just loaded with notes and sermon illustrations and little jokes he used to tell. Well, I, I was thumbing through it this week, and in the back cover, uh, I noticed my grandpa had an acronym written out for the word grace. He had an acronym, and, and it said, Grace equals God's riches at Christ's expense. Friends, that's what grace is. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. And see, that's the difference between Christianity and a a church that's growing and thriving and alive and religion and works righteousness is, is that it's not about what we do to prove to God our love for him, our worthiness, whatever. It's about what God has done. It's his riches at Christ's expense. See, see, God has given us everything, friends, but it cost him everything to do so. But he did that because of his great love for us. And so this morning, what I, what I want to do is I want to look at a passage of Scripture that really powerfully reveals to us our call to grow in the grace of God. 
as followers of Jesus Christ. And, and again, if we're going to continue to be a church alive, all of us need to continue to grow in the grace of God, growing more and more into the conformity, uh, in, into conformity with the likeness of Jesus Christ. And, and God, again, has richly blessed us. He has done so much for us. When you think about the various blessings that God's given us, you know, I think of like John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that we might have eternal life. I, I think of verses like John 1 verse 14, where when we put our trust in Jesus, he gives us the right to be called children of God. What, what a privilege, friends, to, to know that you're a child of God. I think of passages like Ephesians chapter 1 where, where the Apostle Paul says that we've been given the Holy Spirit and, and, a, and a source of supernatural empowerment through the Holy Spirit to, to lead us and guide us in life. But not only that, but the Holy Spirit is a seal. It's a deposit guaranteeing our eternal inheritance. God's riches at Christ's expense. And then you think of passages like Philippians chapter 2 where Paul talks about the king of the universe the God who made everything, the God who speaks galaxies into existence at his word. That God who needed nothing, who was totally content and fulfilled within his own triune nature. That God loved us so much that he was willing to humble himself, taking on the form of a, of a little infant, living a life of service and humility, and ultimately laying down his life on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins. What an amazing thing God has done for us. This is grace, friends. This is God's riches at Christ's expense. And so today as we open up the Scriptures, we're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to see here as Peter reveals to us the, the, the urgent need for us to continue to grow in grace, to understand grace, but to grow in grace, and then to ultimately dis, to display God's grace so that others can see what God wants to do in our lives. So let's take a look at this passage together, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9. through 9. Peter says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Here in this passage today, Peter highlights for us three truths that I think are essential for us to see and understand if we're going to understand the urgency for us to be a church growing in grace and the ways that we continue to do so. The first truth that Peter highlights here is that a church alive is a church that embraces God's grace. We need to be a church that embraces God's grace. Now, I want you to look at verse 3 with me this morning. In verse 3 of our passage, Peter tells us that his divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Okay, now how much has God given us? Okay, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Not, not part of it, 
Not, not some of it. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. All right? Okay? Friends, everything means everything. Okay? There, there's no secret stuff out there that God's holding back on us. Right? God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And, and what's very interesting to me is I find that there are a lot of people who try to make Christianity a whole lot harder than it needs to be. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, Christianity isn't rocket science, friends. I mean, God's given us everything we need for life and godliness. But so many people are out there running around looking for the latest tip, the latest tactic, the latest prayer technique, the latest retreat, the latest spiritual experience. And we're all, you know, looking for something to, you know, some secret out there that's going to help me grow in my walk with the Lord. There's no secret out there, friends. There's no secret. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And what has God given us? Well, what has he given us for life? Let's take a look at this. The Apostle, Paul, the Apostle Peter here tells us that what God has given us for life is the gospel. He's given us our knowledge of him. Friends, what is the essence of the gospel? The essence of the gospel is simply our knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's the recognition that God has broken into human history and, and he came into human history in the form of a man so that we could know him and have a relationship with him. That, that's the message of the gospel. The gospel is about not what we've done for God, but what God has done for us. And so God became a man, and he laid down his life on a cross, paying the penalty for our sins so that we could be restored into a right relationship with him. And friends, when you know and understand all that God has done on our behalf, that's a very transformative, powerful thing. Peter says God's given us everything we need for life and godliness. First of all, he's given us our knowledge of him. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. See, see, that's God's will for you. That's God's desire for you. He wants you to know life in fullness, life in totality. He, he, he wants you to know the joy and hope and peace and life that comes in a relationship with him. And, and so when we get to know Jesus and when we grow in our relationship with Jesus, that, that's the power of the gospel. It changes people. Just, just this last week, I had a really great experience. Uh, Jim Malco and I had a, had a really awesome opportunity. We got to lead a guy to the Lord right out here in our church foyer on Tuesday morning. We don't have a white rose out here. We usually celebrate that with a white rose. I think it got lost in our Christmas decorating this, uh, this morning from last night to today. But, but Tuesday morning, we're sitting here in staff meeting in our conference room. And we're sitting here in staff meeting, and this young man comes walking into our church foyer, and he's just kind of looking around, you know, and, and uh, we're just kind of watching him for a minute, and, and uh, you know, he's trying to figure it out, and pretty soon he turns like he's going to walk out the door. Well, well, Jim Malco, our building administrator, he saw this guy out there, so Jim gets up out of our staff meeting, and he walks out to see if he can go and help this guy. Well, I'm watching this out of the corner of my eye, my eye and sure enough, Jim sits down on the chairs out there in the foyer, and these guys end up talking for about 15, 20 minutes as we wrap up our staff meeting. As our staff meeting comes to a close, I walk out and I walk up just to see if I can help, if you know, there's anything going on. And, and uh, come to find out, this young man has been struggling with addiction for a couple of years. And he was really in a bad place that morning. He had gone online and he had looked up churches looking for an AA meeting. And, uh, and we have AA meetings here at Lakes Free, but not on Tuesday morning. And, and so he had come looking for an AA meeting to attend, and, and we didn't have anything going on. But he was just kind of, you know, lost, looking for hope. 
And, and, and so I sat down and I talked to this guy and, and come to find out, I mean, this guy, his, his heart was in the right place. He recognized that he had gotten off track. He's been fighting these demons of addiction for years. He's got a loving wife at home who's been patient and sticking with him, but, you know, she's getting impatient, you know, she's coming to the end of her rope too. And he's just like, I need help. I need hope. He didn't know where to turn. So he's driving around, like literally he's driving around looking for a church. He went to another church nearby and they, they kicked him out. And he walks into Lakes Free and sure enough, he finds Jim Malco. And I said to this young man, as we talked to him, I said, you know, it's no mistake that you're here this morning. I think God divinely led you here to Lakes Free. You know why? Because there's a guy named Jim Malco that you're sitting here next to who loves people and he cares about people. And, and, and what he's sharing with you, Jim had already begun to share the gospel with him. I said, what he's sharing with you comes out of a heart of love and compassion because, you know, what? we're here for you. We care about you. And we do that because God loves you and God cares about you. And I, I affirmed this young man. I said, you know what? I'm really proud of you and your desire to, to get your life on the right track, to, to get things turned around. But I said to this young man, I said, you are missing out on a huge piece, a huge piece of the puzzle in terms of finding victory over your demons. You see, I said, you can try all you want on your own power, but you're going to continue to fight an uphill battle that way. And I said, but when you embrace Jesus Christ and invite him to come into your life, I'll tell you what, you're going to have a source of supernatural power that will allow you to fight this on a whole new level. And I said, Jesus wants to come. He wants to make you a new creation. He says that when you put your hope and trust in him, he will wash away all your sins. Just a few minutes earlier, this young man, he said, you know what? When I look in the mirror, all I see now is guilt and shame. And I said to him, you know what? Jesus wants to get rid of all that guilt and shame. And he can do that. And, and I said, all you need to do is you need to pray and ask him to come into your life. Ask him to forgive your sins and, and, and make you a new creation. And God will do that and he'll help you. And this young man, I'm telling you, tears were streaming down his face as we're talking. I said, would you want to pray with me right now? You can know right now with absolute certainty that you, your life has been changed forever. He says, I don't, I don't know how to pray. And I said, well, you know what, Jim and I know how to pray. How about we pray for you and you can just repeat after us. And so we prayed with this young man and tears were streaming down his face and it was just a powerful time. But you see, friends, that's what the gospel does. The gospel changes lives. People have an internal longing to know and have a relationship with God. We all have that. You might be here this morning and just, you know, spiritually looking for hope, looking for answers. And, and, and the reason you're here is because God has implanted that desire in your heart. He, he built you to want to have a relationship with him. And, and, and just like this young man, he found that. He found that new life that comes through our knowledge of Jesus Christ. See, again, Christianity isn't rocket science. This isn't some big mystical, you know, magical thing that we're, we're doing here. Our creator who loves us and who made us has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And number one, it starts out by our knowledge of Jesus, a relationship with him, and embracing him into our lives. But secondly, Peter tells us not only has he given us life through our knowledge of him, but what about godliness? What has God given us for godliness? Well, here Peter tells us that God has given us his very great and precious promises. His very great and precious promises. What are God's great and precious promises? Let me give you a little hint. God's word, friends. He's given us his word, the scripture. His very great and precious promises. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Psalm 119. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I'll tell you something, friends. God's word will never, leave you, will, will never lead you astray. 
when you follow God's word, when you rely on God's word, when you put your hope in God's word, God's word was given to us to be a light to our path, a guide for our lives, to lead us safely through life. And I'll tell you what, no matter where you are today, whether you're in the heights of joy or the depths of despair, God's word will meet you there and lead you and guide you in the path of life. God's given us everything we need for life and godliness. One of my, one of my heroes is my, my other grandpa, my grandpa Cross. I was really blessed. I had two great grandfathers. One was a pastor for 50 years. The other was just a faithful man of God. He owned a hardware store, a construction company up north of Green Bay, Wisconsin. And, uh, and my grandpa Krauss was a major blessing and encouragement in my life. Not only did he teach me to become a Packer fan, which uh, I thank him for, <laughs> but, but even better than that, he taught me to love Jesus. He taught me the power of the Word of God. And, and I've met few men who have been more faithful than my grandpa Krauss. He loved Jesus and he loved God's Word. When my grandpa Krauss passed away, he died of stomach cancer. And uh, the last month of his life was brutally painful as he lay in that hospital bed wasting away as the cancer ate his body. And I remember going to visit my grandfather and sharing, you know, we would sing, sing songs and hymns with him and we would open God's Word and read together. And, and I'll never forget, every, I would open the Word of God and I would come to a psalm and I'd start reading that psalm and I'd look and there's my grandpa, he's reciting it word for word with me as I'm reading I'd turn again, I'd open another passage of Scripture, I'd start reading, my grandpa started reciting it word for word from his hospital bed. Over and over again, I saw my grandpa had so saturated his life in the truth of God's Word that it had just become a part of who he was. What an example, what an encouragement. I remember the, one of the last things my grandpa said to me before he died, he said, Jason, stay in the Word. Stay in the Word. Because God's word had never let him down throughout his entire life. And God's word, friends, is a sure and steady source of hope and encouragement and direction. God's word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our paths. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. He's given us the gospel, our knowledge of Jesus. He's given us God's word as a guide to lead us safely through life. We have everything we need, friends. And so the first thing we need to understand is if we're going to continue to be a church alive, we need to embrace God's grace, but we also need to embrace the resources, the gifts that God's given us to continue to grow in grace. That's our knowledge of Him and the Word of God. Second thing we find in our passage this morning, the second truth we find, Peter tells us that a church alive is a church that is growing in grace. A church alive is a church that is growing grace. Now, now here's where this passage gets interesting. While, while Peter tells us that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness, he also tells us in verse 5 that we are to make every effort to add to our faith. Make every effort to add to your faith. Now, now at first glance, this may sound a little bit contradictory, right? I mean, I thought God gave me everything I need for life and godliness, and now Peter's telling me, now make every effort to add to your faith. But, but there's a balance here that we need to understand, okay? Let me, let me explain this for us a little bit. Th- this verse is very interesting. Make every effort to add to your faith. The word effort that Peter uses here can also be translated as earnestness or haste or zeal, okay? And, and then the word add, make every effort to add to your faith. Add can mean making a rich or lavish provision. In, in other words, sparing no expense. So, so understand what Peter's essentially saying here. He's basically saying, look at you need to strive to invest lavishly in your faith. 
Strive to invest lavishly in your faith. You know, a lot of us are looking for a good place to invest, right? There's no better place to invest than to invest in your walk with the Lord, your relationship with Jesus. Peter says, strive to invest lavishly in your faith. And what Peter's getting at here, friends, is this. Salvation isn't the end for the Christian. Okay, salvation isn't the end for the Christian. God's not done with us yet. He has a bigger plan for your life than simply taking up residence in your heart. Okay, God saves us by grace and he empowers us by grace so that we might increasingly be conformed in grace. And that is be conformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's what Peter gets at in verse 4 when he says that you might participate in the divine nature. How do we participate in the divine nature? We participate in the divine nature by looking more and more like Jesus in our own lives. That's how we participate in God's divine nature, as we are more and more transformed into the likeness of Christ. God wants us to grow in holiness. That's his goal for us, okay? Now, now here's the thing. While God's grace empowers us for holiness, there is still an active role that we need to play in our pursuit of holiness. And so that's why Peter gives us this list of eight Christian virtues here in this passage that we read. Okay, He gives us these eight Christian virtues. Now, now understand this. This list of virtues isn't a prescription. Okay, In other words, Peter is not saying, look, it, you start with faith, and then you move on to goodness, and then you move on to self-control, and then you move on to brotherly kindness. Right? It's not a prescription of how you grow. Okay, What it is is a description, not a prescription. It's a description of what growth in Christ looks like. So Peter's basically saying, look, do you want to grow more and more in conformity into the likeness of Christ? If you want to look like Jesus, then pursue these things because this is what Jesus looks like, okay? You start with faith and then you grow in goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and then love. This is Jesus. And so Peter's not saying, look, do this in step-by-step fashion. He's just simply saying, this is what the Christian life looks like in totality, And so our goal, friends, is to grow more and more into the likeness of Christ. This is what the Apostle Paul was talking about in Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20, the Apostle Paul says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Not I, but Christ. You see, that's the goal. That should be all of our goal. I want to diminish. I want you to see less of Jesus or less of Jason and more of Jesus. Okay, that should be all of our goal right? And, and so that's the goal of our church. And that's why here at Lakes Free, we place such an emphasis on discipleship, okay? We, we are glad you're here with us on Sunday morning. We're glad you're here to worship with us, but this isn't the end of growing in your walk with the Lord. We want to help you take steps to grow further in your relationship with Jesus. Now, if, you, if you're around here at Lakes Free for any length of time, you're inevitably going to ultimately come across what we call our discipleship pathway, Okay, And what this is, is just simply a helpful little tool to help us discern individually where we are in our walk with Jesus. And then it gives us some little references to help us understand, okay, what are some steps I can take to grow further, to take the next steps in my walk with the Lord? We have copies of this out in the foyer, by the way, if you'd like to pick one up this morning. But, but So basically, maybe you're here this morning and you're looking at this, this chart. It's kind of a pathway, right? And you're saying, you know what, I'm kind of in that exploring Christ place. You know, I, I'm here because I'm looking for answers. I mean, I, I believe in God, but I'm not really sure about Jesus. I'm not really sure about, you know, Christianity. And, and, and so what should I do? Well, we have classes here for you. 
We have small groups for you, like Christianity Explored, which will help you understand more about Jesus and what it means to be a follower of Jesus and it'll help you on that path to take those next steps. Some of you might be thinking, well, Jason, I've been a Christian my whole life, but you know, I'm kind of in that close to Christ place. You know, I, I love Jesus. I, I'm, I, I feel like I'm faithful to him for the most part, but I, I kind of feel like I'm just stagnated right now. Well, you know what? We have opportunities to help you grow. Plug in and serve somewhere. Get involved. Join us on some of our outreach efforts. Sometimes in serving and outreaching out as the hands and feet to others is the, is the, is the motivator for those next steps of growth. But, but my point is here, God wants us to grow. And so as a church, we make a priority on helping one another grow on our walk with the Lord. Understand this, friends. Embracing God's grace is simply the beginning of a lifelong journey for the Christian. It's what the Bible describes as the process of sanctification or growing in grace. Salvation isn't the finish line, friends. It's just the starting point of an incredible journey. And I'll tell you something. When you embrace Jesus, that's just the beginning of greater and greater things as you seek to grow in him. I've shared stories with you guys over the years about my years working out at Yosemite National Park in California. I worked at a Christian camp. You can switch the slide, please. Uh, I worked at a Christian camp for three years in college and seminary uh, right outside of Yosemite National Park and had some awesome experiences out there. Uh, This picture is taken from a place called Glacier Point. And I'll tell you something, when you stand there on Glacier Point and you look out over Yosemite Valley, I mean, you, you are just in awe of the incredible vision that you see out in front of you. I mean, and I, you, you can't even imagine that there could be anything more spectacular than, than the view you're looking at from Glacier Point. But I'll tell you something, friends. I've had three opportunities to hike from Glacier Point to the very top of that rock formation called Half Dome. I've stood on the very tip of Half Dome three times. It's a nine-mile, one-way hike, 18 miles round trip. You do it in a single day. You start out at Glacier Point. You set out early in the morning. You get to the top of Half Dome around 1 p.m., you spend about a half hour up there, and then you got to start making your way back to get back before sunset. But it's spectacular. But you know what? Here's the deal. As cool as the view from Glacier Point is, I'll tell you something. Every step along the way only opens up greater and greater panoramas, greater and greater visions of God's glory. When you stand at the top of Half Dome, it's absolutely spectacular. But you know something, friends? To get from Glacier Point to Half Dome... I had to make a choice to, to put in some effort to invest in that journey, right? And, and in the same way, God tells us that it's going to take a little effort on our part to grow more into the grace of God. But it's worth it because, again, every step on the journey with Jesus only gets better and better. And, 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 and here's the thing. Remember this. God has empowered us. He's given us his grace. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. He says he's never going to leave us nor forsake us, but we still have to choose to join him on that journey. Okay, here, friends, you can't be a spiritual couch potato and expect to grow. All right, that's just the fact of the matter. I I, I talk to a lot of people as a pastor who come to me and they say, Jason, I I just feel like I'm kind of stuck in my faith. I'm not really growing and and I start talking to them, I say, well, well, let me ask you, what, what, what have you been doing to, to, to grow? You know, have you spend, been spending time reading the Word? Ah, no, I kinda, it's kind of boring. Okay, well, uh, you know, have you, have you ever thought of joining one of our adult Bible fellowship groups or a small group here at church where you could, you know, have some other brothers and sisters around you who can help you in your walk with the Lord? 
Nah, I've never done that. Okay, well, uh, you know, what are you doing to serve? You know, have you have you ever maybe joined our group that goes down to Urban Homeworks in Minneapolis? Or maybe have you helped out with the sharing shop? Or, you know, we have a whole bunch of ways to plug in and serve here at Lakes Free. No, nah, I haven't really done that. What are you doing? What, what do you think is going to happen? Like you're going to sit on your couch all day watching movies and God's just going to somehow magically turn you into a spiritual giant? That's not how it works, friends. God equips us. He empowers us. He gives us every resource we need, but we still have to proactively pursue our faith. It takes a little effort on our part. Okay? So let me ask you, friends, what commitment are you making today in your life to continue growing in your faith? You know, maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're saying, you know, I kind of feel like I'm stalled out a little bit, Jason. Well, you know what? Let us help you. That's what the church is here for. It's to collectively come together and to pursue Jesus with one another. And we have a whole bunch of resources available to help you do that. I'd love to talk to you. Our other staff would love to talk to you. Our elders would love to talk to you and help you grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ because God has so much more for you than just being a spiritual couch potato. God's got an incredible journey that he wants you to join him on. Truth number three from our passage this morning. A church alive is a church that displays God's grace. Take a look at verses 8 and 9. Peter says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Now, friends, I want you to hear this very clearly. Peter says that it is possible to be saved and yet be ineffective and unproductive in your relationship with Jesus. Wow. You mean I can have a genuine saving relationship with God and yet my life is completely ineffective and unproductive? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I, I run into a lot of Christians who would fit that, fit that bill. You know, there's a lot of Christians who at one time in their life, they had a passionate, dynamic faith. They, they embraced Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They turned their life over to Christ. They confessed their sins. They invited him to be the Lord of their life. But you know what? Other priorities began to creep in. Other desires began to creep in. Other stuff replaced Jesus on the throne of their heart, and now they find themselves just kind of stalled out as a Christian. Are they still saved for all of eternity? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what Peter tells us. But are they ineffective and unproductive in their faith? Yeah, absolutely. They're not doing anything for the sake of the gospel. They're just stalled out. They've totally wasted their witness. What a sad place to be. What a sad place to be because God has so much more for us. Why does growing in grace matter? It matters, friends, because your testimony matters. Displaying God's grace for the world to see matters. You see, as Christians, we are to go out into the world and shine God's grace for others to see. That's what Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 12 through 16. Paul says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. 
Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Friends, this is God's agenda for you as a follower of Jesus. This is God's hope for us as a church that we would shine like stars in the universe as we display the power of God's grace in our lives. As we embrace God's grace and grow in God's grace, we shine and display God's grace for everyone else to see. You know, when you leave here this afternoon and go back into the world, when you go to school tomorrow morning, young men and young women, when you go to work tomorrow morning, moms and dads, grandpas and grandmas, right? When we go back out into the world, we are called to shine the grace of Jesus for all to see. And friends, I'll tell you something. When, when the world sees a person and a church living out the grace of Jesus, shining for all to see, that's a very spiritually dangerous thing for the enemy right? Peter says we can shine like stars in the midst of a crooked and depraved generation. And how do we do that? We do that by embracing the grace of Jesus and growing in the grace of Jesus. And we will shine like stars. Now, now here's the thing. I know there's probably some of you who are saying right now, Jason, I am so far from this right now. Like, like you're talking about shining like a star. I'm, I'm like, I'm not even like burning like a candle, you know, like, this is like the furthest thing from where I'm at in my walk with Jesus today. But you know what? Here's the thing. This church is not a church full of perfect people, okay? You don't have to be a perfect person to be able to shine like a star, okay? Like, like I'm, I'm the guy up here preaching, and I'm ser- certainly not perfect. Trust me. Like, I'm far from perfect, okay? To shine like a star simply means embracing Jesus, beginning to take steps of growth in Jesus, and then just making that known to the world around you. In fact, you won't even really have to try all that hard to make it known because I'll promise you, as soon as you embrace Jesus and begin to grow in Jesus, you're just going to start shining whether you like it or not because that's just what happens. Like that, that, that kid we prayed with Tuesday morning, like he came in here a spiritually defeated and discouraged man. And when he walked out, he was beaming. He had new life in him. Like he was shining like a star because that's what Jesus does. And so if you will just simply submit your life to Jesus and embrace him and invite him in and embrace the resource he's given you for life and godliness, he will begin to do that transformative work in your life. And then as you begin to pursue him and take steps of faith to follow him, I mean, you're just going to start blowing up. I mean, it's going to be like LED City in here pretty soon as we begin to shine like stars. And, and that's a very powerful kind of church. And so that's what I'm going after here as your senior pastor. And I'm looking for people who want to join me in that. And and, and we're going to go out and we're going to shine brightly in our world, in our community, and all over the place. And and when people see us shining, what are we going to do? We're just going to simply say, look, this is all about Jesus. I I shine because of Jesus, and he made a difference in my life. And and I shine because he's growing more and more in my life. And and I can't tell you, but man, it's it's just awesome. I, I went from there to here. And God's doing an incredible work in my life. And he can do that for you too if you'll just simply embrace him and invite him into your life and begin to take those steps of faith. So, so as a church, friends, here's the deal. I promise you, as your pastor, I'm going to commit to preaching God's grace. As a people, I want you to invite you to join me in relying on God's grace. 
We're going we're gonna to continue together to grow in God's grace each Sunday and in every other way. Together, we're going to help each other. We're going to grow in God's grace. And then we're going to begin to shine brightly for all to see. And God's going to use this church to make a huge impact. You guys cool with that? Excited about that? I'm excited about that. But it's all going to be because of Jesus and his power working in our lives. Let me close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your grace, your incredible, overwhelming gift of grace. And Jesus, we want to be a people who embrace your grace, who grow in grace, who seek to shine your grace for all to see. And I want to just ask, Lord, that you would bless Lakes Free and bless the people here at Lakes Free that all of us, Lord, might experience your empowerment, might experience the joy of walking with Jesus and that we could be a church that shines brightly and makes a huge impact in our community as people begin to see a whole bunch of transformed people walking around, shining like stars on the streets of Chisago and Scandi and Forest Lake and Lindstrom and Osceola. And it's just like a lighthouse shining brightly. God, do a great work here in our lives and in our church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just want to encourage you, if you would like somebody to pray with you this morning before you leave, our elders will be down here at the front, and they would love to pray for you if you have a need. And then let me leave you with these words from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, May he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. In Jesus' name, amen.